Welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. These podcasts are designed to motivate, educate, and to inspire you to take huge action in your life, to change your life from this moment on. I interview inspiring guests with amazing stories that you can hopefully learn from, relate to, and spur you on to achieve big things. If you want to follow my personal journey and all the different things that we do, please follow me on Instagram, which is Terry underscore Blackburn underscore property. Or on YouTube, my page is Terry Blackburn property. Me, myself, I've been from rags to riches, had nothing. Now I've built multiple businesses earning over millions of pounds. I have a multi-million pounds portfolio of property up in the northeast of England. I am by no means done yet. So please get in touch if you love the show. If you have any feedback for me, I'd really appreciate that. And I'm happy to help as many people as I possibly can. That's what this show is all about. So enjoy the episode. Take care, have a fantastic day, and don't just take notes, take action. Hi, and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. Now, today's guest is a guy called Liam Ryan. He's a property investor and developer from Essex. You might be able to tell from his accent. Um, He's done in the region of £28 million worth of property deals in his career so far. Raised around £9 million worth of JV funding. He has multiple businesses, multiple revenue streams, and he's a Guinness World Record holder. Uh, so welcome to the show, Liam Ryan. Great. Yeah, lovely. Thanks for having me, Terry. Very much looking forward to this and connecting with your audience and helping people start, stale and grow their property businesses. Yes, love it. Love it. Thanks, Liam. I appreciate you coming on today, mate. I appreciate your time. Um, so what we like to do, Liam, is just talk about your career so far broken down in three parts and will hopefully inspire people, people that learn something from the episode and enjoy what you, your sort of story and what you're going to go through. So the three main parts is the start, just how you got into property, a little bit of your background. The middle part is the exciting part. Obviously, 28 million pounds worth of deals is, is decent, obviously. So uh, talk a little bit about that. Any key highlights, any lessons, any key learning points from that would be great. And then just the current part, which is, what your attention's on right now, what you're looking to do going forward and in the future. So, um, so yeah, could you start off by telling us a little bit about uh, the start, how you got into property, Liam? That'd be great. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. So uh, I've always been involved in sales and marketing. And uh, in my early 20s, I uh, had my own business. I had a lead generation company overseas and I started it with a handful of guys. And then before I knew it, it was, you know, 50 guys, 60 guys, and then it was 170. And it was a really good cash flow business, really good cash flow business. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to invest that money into property. And I started to buy property overseas, predominantly in Spain, because that's where I spent a lot of my time. And I built this large property portfolio. And unfortunately, after 2008, when the market crashed, and then I wanted to sell that portfolio, I actually lost over 2 million euros first time in property. It was very painful, many (laughs) years of of blood, sweat and tears. And I, I figured it out, Terry, it wasn't that the game of property was wrong. It's just that the player wasn't playing it right. And in that process, I pretty much made every single mistake in the book. All the stuff I now wouldn't (laughs) do. I bought off plan, new builds, glossy brochures, overseas, 
developments that went bankrupt. I bought from really hot, gorgeous, sexy estate agents on the Costa del Sol. <laughs> uh, and, and I got suckered into it. So, you know, if there's anyone tuning into this and your first time round wasn't the best, then there's always a way out. And uh, when I then moved back to the UK in 2012, uh, I got into a new business, uh, into renewable energy, and met now my business partner, Jay Munoz. He was a chartered civil engineer, great with the numbers, project manager, worked with Alan Sugar as a top uh, project manager for Skanska and ISG, worked on some of the biggest builds in London. And I made a decision that I was going to get back into property. And that was really in 2015 when I started my property journey again. Properly. And ju just before we jump ahead, um, how did you lose two million quid? Was that two million pounds worth of equity or of your cash or what, what was that? You don't have to go into too much detail, obviously, but what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, was well when I was in my early 20s and mid 20s, I didn't really understand anything about leverage or bank finance. And I was earning a lot of money and I, I just went and bought everything for cash. So all my deposits were cash. All the properties were for cash. A lot of the stuff I bought was off plan you know, below market value, these new developments, get in now, you're going to make a fortune. And um, so that stung me because a lot of this stuff wasn't even built or developed and developers went bankrupt. So a lot of my initial deposits were wiped out. And then some of the properties that I did buy for cash, uh, they were in the wrong areas. The market crashed in 2008. What was once a, a nice little holiday destination on this urbanization just went to, you know, that downhill. No one wanted to rent it. The values were really low. So it was a accumulation, um, you know, a, a few different things that um, contributed to that two million pound loss. Baby, th thanks for sharing it. And, and the key point on that is, you know, a lot of people who are very successful have had some form of adversity or another at some point in, in the career and it's something to be ashamed of and it probably made you the person you are now. I mean, would you would you agree with that? Did that make you stronger and more resilient? Oh, 100% because I was really successful in my day business. You know, I had a lot of people working for me and you know, I did figure it out. It was like, how ignorant was I to think, honestly think that I could build a multi-million pound property portfolio, reading a few books, watching a couple of YouTube videos and homes under the hammer. And, and, I, and I was just gung-ho, you know, I was just gung-ho yeah. on this stuff, not really thinking about it. I just thought, hey, property safe as houses. And, and the reality is, Terry, I had no mentorship, no training. I wasn't in a network of good people. I was just believing what the estate agents were telling me. I didn't know the area very well. I didn't do research, due diligence, supply, demand. You name it, I did nothing. I was just earning a ton of money and I thought I'd be absolutely fine. So through that process, I learned to slow the hell down, do more due diligence, um, don't buy overseas. Yeah, you know, all the stuff I did wrong, I learned not to do, and you know it's got me to where I am today. So no, no real moaning from me. It was a big pill to swallow at the time, but you just got to pick yourself up as an entrepreneur, investor, business owner, and say, hey, I I'm just going to learn from my mistakes and and try something new.
I think that's um you were some really good points there. And, and the main one that jumped out for me is is slowing down because I'm sure you do as well. I speak to a lot of people and they're so keen to get into property, they'll overlook red flags because they're so keen to buy and they're focusing on how many properties they can buy or whatever they're, they're focusing on and, and they're getting distracted from all these red flags because they're so keen and a little bit of naivety as well, isn't it? When yeah. I, I had that when I first started and you, you do, you, you're so keen to to get on with it and buy, you, you overlook these things. I think slowing down is a, is a really good point uh, for sure, mate. So, so th- thanks for sharing. Um, so it didn't go off, um, it didn't sort of go to plan, should we say, at the start. Um, what happened next and how, how was that then spiralled into £28 million worth of property deals? Yeah. Great. great. Well, well, I, well, I moved back to the UK, set up a renewable energy business. Um, the government changed the goalpost on that in 2015. And I decided to run that business down. But as I was running that business down... Uh, the phone rang in the office and it was a guy called Jay Munoz and he was looking to have solar panels installed. And at that time I'd become a salesman for my own company, just trying to get, you know, some sales in. And I actually went on that lead, uh, went and met Jay, gave him a quote, bought solar panels. And then we just started connecting. And he said he was a chartered civil engineer. He had cut his six figure a year salary working in London to do this full time. I could see that Jay was spinning all the plates. He still had very much an employee mentality, not a a sort of entrepreneurship mentality. So he was doing everything, you know, working even more hours than when he had a job. And really fast forward, we decided to become business partners because I I could see, Terry, that we had different skill sets. And we said, right, what have we got to do? And Jay said, look, we should go and seek out some advanced training, some great mentors, invest in our education. And that's exactly what we did. And uh, that was in July, August, September 15. Uh, by the September, I got my first property over the line again, a high cash flowing property. By December 2015, I remember uh, sitting down with Holly, my partner, and my three kids on Christmas Day with a big smile on my face. It was like, well, I'm, I'm back in action. And really fast forward to the end of that first year, I'd done 11 high cash flowing properties, a, a land development deal where I built seven flats and two houses. I was able to do that using none of my own money, other people's money. So I understood how to raise money and do, um, say, no money down deals. All deals need money, but none of my own money. And then we just decided to get involved with multiple streams of income, find good deals, but split what we were doing in the company. So Jay's very much the numbers guy. He looks at finding the deals, dealing with the builders, the deal analysis, all of that stuff I really do not enjoy. And then what I do, Terry, is I focus on the vision, the marketing, sales, raising money, building the team. And it works really, really well. So, you know, a good lesson to anyone is that you don't have to be all things, all people in property. You can really play on your strengths and outsource your weaknesses. <clears throat> Again, that, that that's some great advice there. Um, what advice advice would you give to people? Again, I th- I'm sure you probably know people like this. Certainly the networking that I do, everyone's very keen to do a JV and, you know, you're, 
you, you literally meet someone for a couple of minutes and like, I've got this deal, do you want a JV? And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like, just slow down a bit. But you're saying your, your partnership goes really well. <clears throat> what advice would you give for people looking to JV with others and have business partners? Because I, I exited one of my businesses four or five years ago because it wasn't working. Um, I've, I've got a couple of business partners in other businesses, but majority of it is just me. But So what would you say to people who are doing JVs and have business partners? How do you make that work? What advice yeah, would you have? That, that's a great question. I've also had some bad business partners in the past that I've had to leave. Sometimes it's almost like dating. You have a bad date, but you don't stop dating, right? And, and not everyone's bad. And uh, obviously you want to limit those bad experiences. So here are some of the things you can do. Um, really make sure that your values and your vision are aligned. And then also spend time with that person, not just once or twice, but actually a decent amount of time because you can have a dinner with someone and get on really well. But then when you spend a couple of days with them, they freaking annoy the hell out of you. Uh, so yeah. go and do, and that's what me and Jay did as business partners. We, we actually went and spent time together. Our families met, we hung out. Uh, we didn't take too long, but it wasn't made in a couple of days. So really yeah. hang out with the business partner and um, also make sure that the roles and responsibilities are outlined from the very start, what you expect. Yeah. Uh, that's really important. And uh, honesty and communication. I, I just said to Jay, I'm never going to let you down. If you if you annoy me, I'm going to tell you. I'm always going to try and be the best business partner. And he does the same. And we just made a commitment and promise no matter what would happen, we wouldn't screw each other over. And if at any given time we believed there was any major issues, then we would end the relationship. But what you need is you need your shareholder agreement in place. You know, what happens if there is a disagreement? And there's occasions, you know, Jay will throw his toys out the pram. I'll throw my dummy out my mouth. You know, and that happens. It happens, yeah, definitely. It happens sometimes. But if you come from love. Now, when it comes to, say, JV partners or private funders, uh, I typically raise money on loan notes. And, you know, a lot of my investors, they just want the money and they don't get too involved. But some of them, they do want to spend time with you and hang out and be involved in the project. Uh, again, very similar there, Terry. It's just, you know, like back in the day when I started this, I'll be honest, it was like if anyone was willing to give me money, I would have took it because I was desperate again. And it was like, I just wanted to do this, but that's not a good thing, right? Uh, now I only work with private funders where I feel there's a true connection. They're doing it for the right reason. And I like them and they like me. Yeah, I, I think, again, that's an, another really good point. And a lot of newbies, you do, you, you put the money on a pedestal. And if you can see, you see, again, you're seeing the red flags, but you just overlook them because you're so keen to do it, right? You know, oh, he's got a hundred grand. Wow, hundred grand. That's what people think, right? Then I, I was guilty of that as well at the start. Like a lot of it, I haven't raised that much money. A lot of it's been my own, but like the still at the start, the first take in your first one, you think, what, they're going to lend us that much money. doesn't matter who they are, what they're like, and how annoying they're going to be and how much they're going to get. I mean, you know, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, Values, I think you was your first point is a massive one. I think that relates to every part of your life values in your partner, as in your 
girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, like that's a massive thing as well, right? Values, if they're not aligned, it's it's only a matter of time before there's an argument. It's only a matter of time before something kicks off. It, it, and in business, that's the last thing that you want, right? So um great, great advice and made, made some notes. That's spot on name. Thank you. Um so again, so so tell us about some of the deals that you you and your business partner have done. What what's that look like at the moment? What any key ones that jump out? Yeah, you, you know what? I, I like to build a diverse property portfolio over a, a period of time. There is no get rich quick. It's get rich slow. And, and really the magic to wealth is consistent compounding, consistent investing over a long period of time, uh, allow compounding to kick in. So um, yeah, I wanted to build initially the, the nice high cash flowing type properties at the start, HMO, serviced accommodation. But I, I very quickly moved more into development. Now, I'm, I'm not a builder or a contractor or an architect. I don't have to be any of those things to be a developer. Um, you need a good team, great business partner. You need a good team around you. The, the last person you'd ever want on site managing any type of build is me. The bloody thing would, would collapse. Um, but I played to my strength. So for me, I really love doing developments. And just to share a couple of sort of juicy developments that we've been able to do using other people's money, uh, a really nice commercial conversion in Colchester, we teamed up with another developer. Uh, they had the deal and lost their money. And we had a deal and lost the deal, but had the money. So we decided to team up and collaborate. And that was uh, taking an office into 16 one-bedroom flats. And that was a great deal. You know, use joint venture funding. We sold those flats. 15 of them were sold before the building completed one. Uh, once it was completed, the smallest one. Uh, and now we've got, you know, 16 families or couples or individuals that have bought those flats that are now creating their own memories for their own future. And then, you know, you get to walk away with a, a big lump of profit. Uh, we've also got Terry uh, out. My biggest deal today is happening right now, and that's in Maidenhead. And we, it's a bit of everything. We got a 6,000 square foot commercial unit on the high street, which is the biggest commercial unit um, in that area. And we've got a 10 year lease with Superdrug. You know, if you'd said to me six years ago, I'd have Superdrug as my tenant, I would have said, <laughs> well, maybe you've been smoking some wacky backy, but that's <laughs> never going to happen to me. Yeah. And then we're doing... Um, we're taking the existing commercial premises upstairs and converting them into flats. And then it's a new build out the back. That's, that's 26 units with a gross development value of around about 9 million GDV. Yeah. So, you know, we're expecting some big profits. So there's some nice juicy stuff going on, but I also like the bread and butter stuff as well. I still like to bang out a few single lets every year because Let's say, for example, to anyone listening here, let's just say, worst case, you can add two single lets to your portfolio every year. Fast forward 20 years, you've got 40 properties there that you can then pass down to your children, your loved ones, or whoever you want to build a legacy for. Yeah, man, I love that. And diversifying, I think, is the, the intelligent thing to do, right? You know, not putting all the eggs in one basket, because if, 
if the market does have a crash, you know, that I can't say it for a couple of years, but if it does, development could take a hit if you're heavily into a project. But spreading the risk by singlets, I think, is is spot on. Was there anything else that sort of attracted you to development? Was it is it mainly the big lumps of capital that that sort of appeal to you more than the the steady income, or was it just the complexity? But what what was it about development that was attracted yeah. to it, It's the big lumps of cash. Yeah, it's the big lumps of cash, really. Because <laughs> yeah. if I'm honest, I'm not actually that involved in any of the process. Uh, of course, I, I'll come in and make major decisions, but it's not like I'm on the site or actually building the thing. But where, where I come involved and enjoy is raising the money, going down, shooting the videos, creating educational content to help other people, sitting in on the progress meetings, and also what, what really appealed to me with the bigger stuff is that you're, you're really building something where you're building a legacy and something that will make that town or that area a better place. Mm. And you're providing affordable homes to people that need it. So you're also creating a win for other people to go in and live happily by renting or buying and creating their own memories and that and that makes me feel good and every time i drive past one of my developments i'm like man we built that and that feels good and that's going to be there for hundreds of years yeah and if you can make some cash like you rightly say you know it's a win-win for everybody right yeah. if, if you can win your family can win because you're going to pass it to and then other families can win by buying it or renting it then yeah i think not to beat around the bush obviously top of the list there for development yeah. is the big lump of cash. <laughs> yeah. yeah let's be honest if there was no money in property not everyone would be shouting about property would they you know you wouldn't do it if it if it wasn't much money in it man um i think that's like a taboo subject in this country isn't it like a lot of people don't want to talk about money and they say that i'm not money driven and all this well you know if you boil it down a lot of it is down to money so i appreciate the honesty um okay cool so um so you've mentioned there's something that you're currently doing obviously you're doing the this this big development with the super job is the tenant and the, and the flats above what else are you up to at the moment what's what's sort of going on right now and what are you looking at going forward yeah great well well over the last you know five six years we, we've also moved into training and education which is really the side of the business that I head up. And we are now one of the UK's leading property business and wealth training companies. So we, we currently have seven different training verticals that we offer. Anything from different property strategies to uh, investing in stocks and shares to public speaking, sales, and business and social media and marketing. So we have seven. So we're really just trying to continue to grow the training side of the company. We want to do a couple more developments this year, some new build developments, probably sub 10 houses, just try and get in and out as quick as we possibly can. Uh, I like the big deals, but they take two, three, maybe if not longer, right? So some of the smaller developments work nicely. Uh, continue to raise money. I'm growing my podcast. I create loads of content. Um, make sure I'm there for my, my amazing wife and my kids have nice balance, which can be very hard for us entrepreneurs because yeah. yeah. I am obsessed with what I do and it doesn't really feel like I'm ever working. But it's to be of service to the people that need us the most 
and to continue to enjoy life and help other people create financial freedom through property business and wealth training and investing. Love that. I love that. And again, just picking up on a couple of things that you've said, the family life, you know, I've got three kids as well. I think if you say you've got three. I've got four now. But a four, I've got one of the ways we'll actually say you got <laughs> catching you. <laughs> um, so you got four fair play. So as I, I know, I, I know how you feel there. And you know, people will use having a, a busy family life as an excuse not to do business, an excuse why they can't buy as many property or they can't run big businesses, but it can be done all at the same time. You're clearly doing it. I'm doing it, and there's plenty of people, other people that do it. I just think there's a there's a big, there's a lot of people who have this viewpoint of, you know, you can't do it all, can you? You know, you can't have a happy family life and go to the gym. I just seen you, Liam yeah, stood up before, he's absolutely stacked. <laughs> I've seen him before. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can keep fit, you can have a family life, you can have, be a good dad, and you, and you can have biz, multiple businesses and property because you're doing it, I'm doing it, and there's many other people that do it as well. Um, so I think that's a, it's a good good point that you that you said that there. Um, just a couple of specific questions that came up when you were when you were talking there. You say your role in <clears throat> your sort of partnership, a lot of it is um, raising the money. Any advice that you could give to others? It's probably the most common question I get asked anyway. Is is around how do I raise money? How does that work? Where do you find these people? What advice would you give on... Uh, you're smiling because I'm sure you get it as well. What, uh, what, what would you say on that? It's a, it's a really good point. And, you know, people believe that they need tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of their own money to do property. And hey, if you've got money, that's great. But if you haven't, then an option you have is to use other people's money. And, and I'll be honest, there's no little secret black book. There's no little secret hiding places where they all hang out. <laughs> Um, they are literally in your phone book. They are friends, family members, business associates, work colleagues. You can find money online. You can go to networking events. And I, I, I found money before on holiday. I've spoken to someone on a train and they became one of my private funders. Um, if I fly business class somewhere, I speak to people in other people in business class everywhere I go. And I even did this on my wedding day because there were some people there I hadn't seen in a while. So, of course, I'm going to be um, trying to generate those leads. <laughs> but look, here, here's, here's the thing. Money's everywhere. There's not a shortage of money. The question is, have you got the balls to go and start telling people who you are and what you do? And it's what I call get yourself into a pitching situation. The more people you tell what you do and the great service you offer, the more leads you generate, the more coffees you have, the more Zooms you have, the more times you stand up at a networking event and get in front of people, the more money you're raising. It's a process. You know, don't just meet someone for a coffee and they give you half a million quid. Hey, that may happen, but yet you have to spend time. So my advice is put yourself out there more. Obviously, be clear on what your unique selling point is and practice role playing how to articulate your pitch. Be clear on what's good about you, what's not good about you, the service you offer, how you structure the deal. How do you do all that? Well, the best thing to do is just go and get some training. 
go and hang out with someone that's done it, you know, pay them some money to mentor you, um, to fast track you, then just put yourself out there and get in front of people. And, and if you can make something work, great. If not, then you might have had a nice hot chocolate and a bloody cookie. <laughs> yeah, man, I think... I think coming, I'm in, I'm a sales background and I know you are too. Um, when you speak in there, you can tell that you've been in sales for a lot. Cause I just think with sales, you get a tough skin, don't you? Because sales can be so brutal about you ask for the order, whatever product you're selling, you, whatever you, you're selling, whatever service you're selling, whatever you're obviously doing, you just get this tough skin, don't you? So I don't find asking for money or, or having chats with people it doesn't phase us at all. You definitely come across the same way because you come from that sales background. I personally think sales, having a sales background is one of, for business, it's one of the best upbringings you can have, right? Being heavily involved in sales, obviously you were very successful abroad, this lead gen, you know, selling whatever you were selling then. Would you agree that that's put you or made you the man that you are today and the business person that you are today, the sales sort of background? Yeah. I'm so pleased that you think the same as me, Terry. You know, one of my teachers at school, an English teacher, when I was in year 11, I remember saying, whatever you do in life, don't become a salesperson. Salespeople are bad. You get good salesmen, bad salesmen. You get good doctors, bad doctors. You know, there's good and bad in every yeah. industry. I think I think that comes from the the car, not, nothing against car salesmen, double glazing. You know, they have this sort of bad sort of view don't they? that everyone just a bad image the pinstripe suits you can you know coffee breath they're just slimy they have that sort of image yeah. don't they unfortunately yeah yeah and do. you know you, you do get bad salesmen out there but um I, i've been selling stuff pretty much since i was in the playground selling sweets and used to go in with a bag with jeans and perfumes i i soon became the kid that can get you anything you wanted i did <laughs> knock on doors for zenith windows at the age of 15 for uh three three years uh, man having doors slammed in your face every day um, certainly enabled me to embrace rejection, but also taught me how to read people and how to build desire in literally just a few seconds. And, and I would reckon to, recommend to anybody that one of, if not the number one skill to master in order to become successful and wealthy is sales and negotiating. And if you've got a great product, a great service, a great idea, and what you're selling is going to enhance someone's life, then you should shout about that a lot. And you should never be afraid to ever get in front of anyone and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. And this is why I believe you should buy my stuff. Love that. I could not agree more. We see, I'm just in a sales meeting this morning. We talked about this, being able to deal with rejection. Um, you know, every no you get, you're one step closer to the yes. And if you don't ask, the answer is definitely no, right? Mm -hmm. Like you rightly said there at the start of that, these angels could be sitting in your phone, could be your best mate, your best mate's parents, but you know, it could be your parents, it could be money is everywhere, as you rightly said. But if you don't ask, you can, we say, you might you not know, heard this, but in the Northeast, we say shy Ben's getting out. You'll probably think <laughs> I'm speaking a different language there, but that just means shy kids don't get anything because if you don't ask, you don't get it. And yeah. it's the same with this. As long as you're credible and you know what you're doing to a degree, 
um, and you ask for the order, you might just get the order. Um, love that, love that. Um, I could talk about sales all day, to be fair. Me too, mate, me too. <laughs> um, cool. No, it's been a really good episode, I think. Um, you come across as very genuine. Um, so, so so, I like that, mate. And um, thank you for, for, for sharing your story. Um, the show is called The Rags to Riches. So, but you can be rich in, in many different ways. You can be rich in monetary terms, in assets, in time, in loads of different ways. But what does being rich mean to you? What does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Rich, rich to me is having control and freedom of your life to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, to be of service and to have a positive impact on the world and to be in a position where you never have to worry about money. Yeah, man. And anyone says that they don't want that, I think is lying on them. Let's be honest. <laughs> hey, let's be let's, honest. Let's, yeah, let's be honest about the fact, yeah, yeah. these people are saying money doesn't make you happy. Yeah, well, you're definitely happier with money. Yeah. Than, There's than, only yeah. so many trees you can hug or stars you can look at. <laughs> and that's all nice, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you want a five-star holiday to Dubai or put your kids in private school or just be able to sleep at night. You, you need money. And, and one way to do that is via property, investing, compounding, all of the stuff that we've been talking about. And it's available to anyone that wants to get off their backside and make it happen. Yeah, man. Love that. Liam, thank you so much. It's been a great episode. If anyone wants to reach out to you, if anyone wants to find you, follow you on Instagram, wherever, what's the best place for them to, to find you? Yeah, great. Thanks for that, Terry. So they can find me on Instagram, Liam J. Ryan Wealth. You can also put in Liam Ryan on uh, Facebook and you can also go to YouTube Assets for Life and uh, come to my YouTube channel. Amazing. Thanks a lot, Liam. I appreciate your time. Have a good rest of your day. Lovely. Pleasure. Thanks, Terry. Thanks a lot. Bye, mate.